Hello, everyone. Welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who is respected by your peers. Become the athlete that you want to row with. I'm Marlene Royal, and Rebecca, my co-host, is away this week, and she will be joining us on future broadcasts. Um, please share the live stream now on your social media account, and that this helps bring in new listeners to the Faster Masters Rowing Radio podcast. For our live listeners, please tell us where you're joining from and write it in the comments below in, in the live stream. And just as we're getting started with today's episode, um, we'll have here's a brief message from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by the Rowing Directory, the online listing for all rowing businesses. Find local boat builders, oars, electronics, gifts, coaching, vacations, and more. Find out more at rowing.chat and click the menu directory. This show would not be possible without the support of our advertisers. And you can find them all at uh, rowing.chat slash sponsor. Again, we thank all of you who are our listeners, and this show would not be possible without your support. If you would like to support the show, we certainly appreciate it, and you can do it with donations starting from $1. Just go to fastermastersrowing.com slash podcast, and uh, we'll guide you through the steps. So we appreciate that you're here and listening, and you're here with us. So welcome. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about blade depth on the drive. Our goal with, with blade depth on the drive is to keep the top edge of the blade at a consistent level and covered at a consistent height throughout the drive. This is important if you would like to improve your effective drive. So when we talk about effective drive, we're, we're talking about um, keeping pressure on the blade. When the blade enters and it's square, it gets you have pressure on the blade. And the length of time that you can maintain that consistent pressure on the blade until the release is determined your, as your effective drive. And in order to improve that effective drive, keeping the blade depth very consistent increases the amount of time that, that you can keep the blade in the water. So if the blade, for example, is moving deeper and then coming back up to the surface, that's actually going to shorten the amount of effective time that, that the blade is in the water. So, so blade depth becomes quite an important issue for us when we're, we're trying to improve that drive time and move, move the boat more effectively. Some common errors that, that we see with blade depth, um, oftentimes the, bl the blade is going too deep in the water. So the way blades are designed these days, they're, they're, I like to call them smart blades, so to speak, because if you allow the blade to set in the water where it wants to, it, it, it has a certain amount of flotation and it will generally settle in the water and you want to think about following your handles 
at the level where the, the blade settles itself in the water. So in, in some sense, you don't really have to, you don't really have to think about holding the blade depth in the water if you if you follow the handles and you want to keep your drive pretty horizontal. Now when you do when you put pressure on the blade, the blade does bury a little bit and that that will give you that consistency to to keep the blade covered throughout throughout the drive because it will bury a little bit more than exactly when it's floating if it's if it's floating with no pressure in the water for example. However, common errors again lifting lifting the hands too high this is something that that we see quite often with um, novice rowers or it can happen because of the drive sequence isn't correct so something can happen like the, the hands come up too high and the blade goes down deep because our athlete is trying to row up over their knees on the drive instead of initiating with the legs so that so that the knees will get out of the way by the time that the hands reach the knees on the drive. So one reference point is um, to aim for where your knees were. This is a, a phrase that Norm Graf, who was the sculling director at Craftsbury, used to coach people quite often with. And when the blade is in the water, when you place it at the entry, oftentimes your your handle level is going to be very close to the height of your knees. So if you initiate on the drive with the legs properly, keeping keeping the body angle at that beginning part of the drive, the your knees will get out of the way by the time that your handles reach that point. So that's one reference point that one can use in terms of starting the beginning of the drive with the handles more horizontal. Another cause of the blades going deep can be opening up the body too early on the drive sequence because the athlete is lifting their upper body first before initiating with the legs. So the body is lifting away from the knees versus holding the body angle and pressing the knees away from the body at, at the beginning of the drive. So both, both of those issues, rowing up over the barrel, as we call it lifting the hands up over the knees, or lifting the body before, start, before um, engaging the legs, keeping the hips behind you. So those, those are two common errors of why an athlete might lift the handles too high. Another common error is that the blade is not properly squared when it enters the water. So if, if this happens, if the blade isn't properly squared, it's going to start to dive down into, into the water and, and go too deep. When, when the blade is squared, if the blade is entering vertically, the blade is going to be quite easy to manage and, and it's going to maintain um, its depth better in, in the water. So if the blade goes in at an angle, you have to watch the athlete and see, is the athlete preparing the blade early enough? Do they have enough height off the water so that they can, that they can square the blade up 
without without tapping the bottom edge of the blade on the water, which could catch the bottom edge of the blade. If in fact it happens and, and the blade is not properly squared and it starts to knife down into, into the water, you can instruct the athlete to, to relax their hand a little bit. So if the athlete is holding onto the handle quite tightly, the water isn't going to be able to fix the blade and then the and then the blade is going to get pulled down into the water like catching a small crab if you feel the blade starts to knife in a bit and and you sense that and relax if you relax your hand a little bit just on the handle so that the handle can move in the hand the water will will correct that blade for you and make the blade square again so it's it's important not to over grip a, the handle or to be really tense on the handle because you want to allow the water pressure to hold the blade square. So that's one reason why you know having a light grip, light hands on the handle will will also help that as you're as you're placing the blade in the water. And welcome. We have Barbara Johnson listening live. So welcome, Barbara. Nice to have you here. Let's talk about some drills that we can use to improve our blade depth. And I kind of think of these in two, di two different categories. There's We have drills for skills, learning how to practice blade depth. And, and especially if you're uh, a single scholar rowing on your own, if you don't have coaching frequently on the water, um, you want to have some drills that you can work on on your own so that you can look at your blade and sense what it's doing and, and create new patterns. And some of these drills can also be done, you know, in team boats as well. One of my favorite drills for working on skills for keeping your blade depth is rowing rowing in circles and when you row in circles you put one blade flat on the water and then and, and if I'll talk about this as if we're in a single so you put your bring your handle next to your body and and put one blade feathered on the water and then you're going to row with with the opposite hand now you want to make sure that you have enough clearance off the water. And, and if you want to help yourself have a little more clearance off the water, you, you can actually lean a little bit onto the feathered oar simply to give yourself a bit more space above the water on the hand that, that you're rowing with. But when you're rowing in circles, that gives you the opportunity to actually look at your blade see what it's doing and be able to make corrections because you can follow you can follow the blade and what's important initially for working on the blade depth is to make sure that you're preparing the blade correctly so that it's so that it's entering the water and the blade the blade is square so one motion that can interrupt that sometimes is when you're squaring. So you want to make sure that when you're squaring your blade, you're also keeping the handle in motion until the blade 
and enters the water. When the blade enters the water, you want to find, put a little bit of pressure on the blade and find that correct height so that the blade is completely buried underneath the surface of the water. And then as you draw through, watch where the top edge of your blade is and make sure that that top edge of the blade is staying at a consistent height as you draw the hand towards your body and as you're going to then tap down. So you want to maintain, think about maintaining that pressure on the, on the front of the blade so that it is going to travel consistently in the water and then you're going to be able to tap down to start exiting that top edge of the blade and, and bringing the blade out of the water. Another, another reference point that you can use when rowing circles is look at the water line on the shaft and where that water line is on the shaft when you place the blade in should stay consistent until you take the blade out. So rowing circles is a very, very good way to do some self-coaching and actually look at your blade and see what it's doing and have the goal in mind that you want the blade to stay at a consistent depth. And that's, you know, practice on one side, row one circle completely in one direction, then switch and row with the other hand in the other direction. And this is, this is actually a very, very good self-coaching drill for working on blade depth. This, the second drill that I, I really like to use is backing. So when you are backing, and when I instruct backing, I ask the athlete to keep their blades in the same position that they, that they row with. So um, facing the, the same direction that you're rowing, I don't ask them to flip the blades around backwards. Um, the, the reason being that if you needed to row quickly, you could simply start taking a stroke and move the boat if you had to suddenly move away from something. But backing is a, a very important safety skill, but it's an excellent skill for working on your blade depth. Again, you start at, at your, your finished position with your blade squared in the water, and you want to push away with your hands. And as you are comfortable, you know, initially you may only want to back with arms and body. As you get more comfortable, you can go to quarter slide, you can go to half slide, eventually to full slide. But the goal is to maintain equal height of the handles, work on equal height of the blade in the water. And when you're backing, you can actually see your blades. So it gives you that feedback of being able to look at your blades and see what they're doing and make sure that, that you are practicing the correct recovery sequence. So when you are backing, you are in essence following your recovery sequence of the arms coming away, the body following, okay, your hands will be past your knees at this point, and then um, slowly moving up the slide, letting, letting the handles separate if you're, if you're in a single. Um, this is a very good drill also to practice in a sweep boat. So you can practice in a, in a pair and practice the blade depth. You can practice this in a, in a four or a quad or a double. Um, 
You can practice it in eight by fours. So backing, again, gives you that visual feedback that you can see what your blades are doing and um, work on that consistent, consistent handle height. The third drill that I like requires a, a bit more finesse. And actually, this is a, is a half blade drill. So it's your blade is going to be out of the water more than it would be when you are under, under pressure, under power in, in your regular rowing. And half blade rowing is putting, putting the blade, you put the blade in the water, but here you're going to have to control the handle height quite a bit. So it gives you some practice controlling and being very aware of your handle height. So you place the blade in the water, but the goal is to put only the part in the water, the blade in the water that goes down to the shaft. So when you're doing half blade rowing, you're actually keeping the shaft just above the water. So just that lower part of the blade is setting in the water. And this requires a little bit more control because you're not actually letting the blade settle in its in its natural buoyant position which it would be if you if you just let the blade settle in the water and let it float where where it wanted to float so this requires a little bit more finesse you can't really row terribly hard when you're rowing half blade but it does give you a very good sense especially if you look at your blade and you see where the shaft is and you make sure that you're keeping the shaft just above the water and this is a perfect drill to do on a day when um, you have really nice flat water and you can see this. It's also a drill that you could incorporate into circles if you wanted to. So, so you could do your circles with full blade depth and then you could practice some circles with half blade depth just to work on some finesse with the handle and control over the handle. So those are some of my favorite drills for um, developing blade depth skills and, and that awareness. Now, there are drills that we can use to help build up our stroke power during our practices. And definitely building up stroke power, you want to be able to keep that consistent blade depth as you increase pressure. And um, it's easy if you're, if you're just starting to build up pressure in the season and you're working on pressure, it's quite easy to lose some of that relaxation if you're starting to row too hard too soon or you're trying to apply pressure too abruptly. But you want to make sure that you're maintaining a good pattern of the blade in the water and that you're really working on keeping the drive as horizontal as possible because that's going to keep your effective drive in the water as long as possible. And if our blades are changing height and going up and down, you know, if the deeper your blade is, the shorter your effective, effective length are because the tips of your blades are going down deeper into the water. So one, fun exercise is um, a drill where you use 
a bungee and you take a bungee cord and you put a bungee cord around your boat. And I'll usually put it um, like to the stern of, of where the foot stretchers are. And when you put a bungee cord on a boat, it's going to really, really slow your boat down on the recovery. So if you're working on a bit of power, it gives you, it gives you a lot of resistance and feedback. And when you start to work on a bit of power with the bungee, you can do an exercise, for example, one stroke with power, one stroke easy, one stroke with power, one stroke easy, and you may row 50, a set of 50 strokes like that. And the goal obviously is to apply pressure to the handle, keeping the handle horizontal, paying attention to the blade depth and being, you know, being careful as you apply pressure to the blade, not to lift the handle too high, not to go too deep, but to stay really horizontal. So a bungee rowing is a nice way to get some additional feedback because the resistance is increased on the drive, but the boat also really slows down on the recovery. You can also do things like um, four sets of eight strokes, focusing on higher power, or four sets of 10 strokes, focusing on higher power. Another way that you could use a bungee rowing, just like you might do an exercise set if you were doing it on land in the gym. Other exercises to, to build pressure are uh, varying the pressure from the entry to the release. And this is, this is another good way to focus on building pressure to the drive with a focus on maintaining blade depth. And there's exercises, for example, you can do a, a progression of starting at uh, quarter pressure at the entry, building to 50% pressure at the release. So you're thinking about a softer entry, building pressure on the blade to the release, rowing some sets of strokes, maybe 20 strokes with that focus. And then you, you can move to 20 strokes of 50% half pressure on the blade at the entry, building to three quarter pressure of the blade at the release. So that's that again, building up the pressure, focusing on maintaining horizontal drive and length in the water, and then bump that up to three-quarter pressure at the entry, accelerating to full pressure as, as you approach the release. And you can do sets of 20 strokes and, and work on this progression of you know, quarter pressure to half pressure half pressure to three-quarter pressure, three-quarter pressure to full pressure with the focus on horizontal application of, of power. And those, those are quite fun. Those are quite fun to do and very, very good for building up your, your blade work skills for sure. Another exercise which alternates um, higher pressure with easier pressure is to do an exercise called the silent pyramid. And the silent pyramid helps you build up full pressure strokes. And it's a very good drill for concentration 
because you're, you're going to have to count strokes or your coxswain is going to have to count strokes for you, but you still have to, <laughs> to keep track of it. So you can build up concentration and you row one. And if you're by yourself and, and actually um, if it is a silent pyramid, your, your coxswain should just be counting and letting the crew keep track of the strokes. So as I said, it requires some concentration. Um, but start with one stroke on, one stroke with power, whichever, however much power you feel comfortable applying, one stroke with power, one stroke easy, and then go to two strokes on, two strokes off, three strokes on with power, three strokes off. And then you build up to 10 strokes on with power, 10 strokes off easy and then you work your way back down to nine strokes on nine strokes off eight strokes on eight strokes off and work back down to one on one off and you know that that's a pretty significant period of concentration to count your on strokes and your off strokes but alternating pressure with a relaxation stroke can help you again work on that blade depth work maintain that blade depth as you increase pressure and put a little bit more uh, weight and power behind behind the oar handle so those are some things that would be really good to practice on your own some good self-coaching drills or again in your team boat with some other other athletes and um, you know work on improving that that effective drive for uh, drills and skills and and power our, our next topic that we're just going to talk on a little bit is um, we've had some questions about managing training with those who are experiencing long covid and the you know, the, the effects of the COVID virus for some people, it's, it has taken them quite a while to recover from this in the sense of training. And we've had some, some questions recently. Well, how do I manage training? How do I know that I'm recovering properly? How do I know how to monitor this? And we wanted to mention that a, a very useful measurement is something called heart rate variability. And many people are, are familiar with, with using measuring their heart rate in the morning to use that as a indication of how rested you are. So if you know what your morning, uh, morning resting heart rate is, you know, that gives you that gives you a norm for what your heart rate is in the morning when you're in a relatively rested state and not overly fatigued. If you are fatigued from training or uh, perhaps you're coming down with something or you didn't get enough sleep, your morning resting heart rate will often be a bit higher. And the rule of thumb that, that I like to use is that if, you're, if your heart rate is um, five beats above normal, then, then you should um, take it a little bit easy, 
on that day's session, you know, perhaps don't overdo your training if, if you feel your heart rate's a little bit high. If you notice that your heart rate is um, 10 beats higher than it normally is, I would not recommend doing intervals that day if you were planning, if you were planning a hard session. I think it's in that case, you, you could do a training day that maybe is a lighter day, something that keeps your heart rate low. Or you might decide to take a rest day that day. So monitoring your morning resting heart rate is one indication of fatigue. But another um, factor is called heart rate variability. And what heart rate variability is, it, it, it measures the amount of time between heartbeats. And so there, there can be small little changes between the time of your heartbeats. And this reacts to um, how much fatigue you have. This, this can indicate whether you're in a, a relaxed state or your body is in a more stressed state. So if your <clears throat> excuse me, heart rate is a bit a little bit slower, you're going to be in a more relaxed state. And so there's going to be more time between the heart heartbeats. If you're in a stressed state, then, or, or you're just say you're doing more activity, but say right now you're measuring this in the morning, you're in a stressed state, there's going to be less time between the, the heartbeats. And this gives us a little bit of indication of whether your sympathetic nervous system is overactive, which is this is your fight or flight system. So if your body is stressed, that's going to react with, with your heart rate being a bit faster or the time between heart rates being decreased. If you are in a more relaxed state, your parasympathetic nervous system is more activated. And this is going to mean that your, you, your heart rate is slower. There's more time before beats. Your body is in a more relaxed state. So your heart rate may be lower. Your blood pressure may be lower. And one way that you can measure this is using an app, which is called HRV for training. So it's, it's HRV as in Victor, and then the number four training. And, and this, this is an app that um, we have used for our own training, which doesn't require any, you, you, you download it on your phone and it, you use the camera feature um, with your fingertip that it will measure your heart rate. And so it, it doesn't require a lot of equipment, but with the HRV4 training app, it will measure your heart rate and it will then, you know, it measures it for about an, uh, a minute. And then it also asks you some questions. So it will ask you, um, how long was your training session yesterday? Um, what was the quality of your sleep? Um, because generally you, me you measure heart rate variability in the morning. Um, did you consume any alcohol the night before? Um, do you have an injury? So, so it has a certain set of questions that it asks you. And then it will calculate a factor for you. And that factor will be 
personal to you. And, and over time, if you do this on a daily basis, it, it gets to know you and it gets to know what's, what's normal for you. And so you can start to, to see, I'm not recovering from this training phase. Um, maybe you've moved into a new training phase and it's taking your body a little bit of time to adjust. So you may see that your heart rate variability factor is lower. So a lower factor is going to indicate more fatigue or stress in your body. A higher factor is going to indicate more um, a more rested state, a more relaxed state. So it, it's something that gives you good insight as to how to monitor your training from day to day. And you may say, well, I feel okay today, but you know, look, my, my heart rate variability is looking low. Perhaps I'm in a little bit more stressed state than I realized I was. Perhaps I'll modify my workout today, do something a little bit easier, and then wait and see until I'm recovered the next day. So when, when you're looking at recovering from long COVID or recovering from a flu or recovering from, from um, any type of illness, you know, this is one thing that you can use to find, find out if you're returning back to normal. And, and if you track this over time, you'll have a very good sense of what, what is normal for you. So it can be quite a quite a useful factor. There are other um, there are other um, instruments out there that people use, like Aura Rings, and there are some other different systems. But this one particular app is quite is quite easy to use and give you some information on a, on a daily basis. And um, so it is something that can help you monitor fatigue from from a day to day basis. You know. As, as you're recovering and, and getting better and being able to, you know, reintroduce yourself back to training. So I hope, I hope that this was a useful episode for you, for us to review blade depth, some drills, skills, how to maintain blade depth, how to improve power, maintaining your blade depth and some ways to work on that in your single or in your cruise this week, um, and also a little bit about the heart rate variability, the HRV4 training app, which can be a very, you know, very, very helpful app to um, monitor your recovery and help you return back to training. So um, this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to masters athletes who want fun, fitness, confidence in their rowing. Become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing Program subscription today at www.fastermastersrowing.com slash join. Thank you for being with us today and enjoy your week and we will see you next week. So long. <laughs>